We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The NFL Players Association's second annual player-led survey has been conducted and was released Wednesday in the form of a team report card. Yeah, and there seems to be something that's not exactly adding up with it, Sarah. So we're going to compare this year's grades to last year's and dive into all that and more category by category. I'm Sarah Ellison alongside Bobby Trossett. It is Thursday, February 29th, and this is your morning Ravens update from Inside the Vault. So Ravens linebacker Kyle Van Noy, he joined the NFL Network's Good Morning Football crew on Wednesday. He was pretty revealing, very honest about his reaction to the AFC title game loss and what followed. But everything that he had to say about Lamar Jackson, some of which was new, uh, was pretty intriguing. I I did like the Lamar part. I'm excited to get to that. Plus, ESPN's Mel Kuyper, who has historically had a pulse for Baltimore's drafting strategy, He weighs in with who he thinks the Ravens could go after with the 30th overall pick in April's draft. We've got all that more coming up. So thanks for waking up in the morning vault where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes. So again, when you compare it to last year, Sarah, which we kind of spoke on and had a laugh about earlier in the week. It kind of feels a little bit anticlimactic this year with the report cards because good. not only exact well, yes, first and foremost, good. They took a step in the right direction, did the Ravens. But last year, not only did they receive an F minus, which I wasn't even aware of existed on the grading scale, but and that was under strength coaches, by the way, which ultimately led to the You've party never heard ways. Of an F minus. I just didn't know that they went below an F. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like an yeah. F minus. You're failing even more than you. Yeah, I got you. F minus exists. So, so that existed within the strength coaches department. Good news is that took a major step forward. We'll get to that in just a second. But within a few hours, as we've already covered, Rashad Bateman kind of went after the organization, went after Eric DaCosta in response to what he had to say about past wide receiver struggles in the draft. So this year was very different. Let's get right to it. The Ravens rank 15th overall uh, of all teams. Of course, 32 league-wide. It's the second annual NFLPA-led survey. So the NFL Players Association puts this on. There's a bunch of different categories. This year, they added several. Uh, And so, yeah, I mean, what was your biggest takeaway when you look at this other than a huge, huge improvement 
in strength coaches. They went from F minus to a B. Big jump. I I feel like my biggest overall take from this, Bobby, is that I don't think all of the grades exactly add up to what you might think it is. Okay. Now, some of them for sure, like that when you get an F minus in strength and conditioning, you know exactly what's going on. Like you got to like you got to focus on that and do better. And there's some some good grading criteria to go to that. But some of these grades, it's like you have to really dig in and read what the criteria is to understand what a grade means. You know, so like when, when you read treatment of families and last year the Ravens got a C plus and then this year it's a B minus, it's like, whoa, are they being jerks? You know, it's like, what is that all about? And then you dig in and it's like, oh, they just need like a better way to get the families to this part of the stadium or, you know, whatever. Like yep. you, you kind of dig into it. Same with head coach, same, same with like ownership, Steve Bashotti got an A. Well, what is that based off of? Like, I think Steve Bashotti's like a top tier owner, but what they were basing the criteria off of was very narrow. So some of these things are very narrow. And I just think it's important that when you look at the rankings and all that, it may not mean what you think it means. Like it doesn't mean that the, these players think that he's the fourth best owner or may, maybe they do, but that's not what they voted on. Or it doesn't mean that head coach John Harbaugh is the 20th best coach. Maybe they do think that, but that is not what they were asked on this survey. So we'll jump into all of that. But um, just to kind of go through it, Bobby, as, as, I, as I, I wanted to set that up, because you're going to want to hear what the criteria is for each category, but let's go through the categories. Treatment of families goes from C plus to B minus, from 18 to number nine. Food service and cafeteria. Last year, they kind of combined two different um, sections. They had... Uh, they had food service and nutrition in one, and, and this time it seems like they uh, divided it out. They've got one for the cafeteria and then one for the nutritionist. So for the cafeteria and the food service, they gave a C plus, which is ranked seventeenth. The nutritionist goes exactly B minus and B minus both times, but they actually dropped in ranking thirteen to nineteen. Weight room goes from C plus at ranking number twenty two up to B minus. Strength coaches, you mentioned F minus to B. Training room, this is actually where I think most of the meat is for what the Ravens can take away from this. Training room, both years, C+, both years 21. Training staff, B+, drops to B-, but it's 22 both both times. I think that's where the meat is from this, and we'll get into that. Locker room goes from an A to a B-. It's like, how did that happen? They only added more cool stuff, so we'll talk about that. Travel goes from an A to a C-, from number 4 to 21. Again, you may not know what that means so we'll get into that head coach they did not have that before then great on that this year b plus number 20 owner as i said a number four yeah so i don't know i'm just thinking about a couple things like each one of these categories are broken down with with context if you go into the the piece that's put together by by the nflpa and for example the context given for c plus in the training room uh, comes with this added stuff only 79% of players feel they have enough full-time trainers. That's 28th overall. 74% of players feel they have enough full-time physical therapists. That's 25th overall. 80% of players feel like they have enough hot tub space. That's 21st overall. 76% of players feel that they have enough cold tub space. 26th overall. And overall, players want more staff and more resources in the training room. A lack of training staff makes it more difficult to recover and be prepared to play well. So while the team made significant jumps 
under strength coaches, as we've mm-hmm. mentioned, from F minus to a B. Uh, was it a B? B flat? I think it was yeah. a B flat. So that's a massive. I mean, we can all acknowledge that that is a massive jump. Something that makes me think that there's more room for improvement aside from these letter grades, which are lackluster. We can all agree that C plus is below average. Um, are the regiments the individualized workouts or lack thereof. I can remember speaking to Pat Ricard about that this time last year. As a fullback, he wanted more individualized, personalized workouts. Didn't feel like that was enough of it. That was another knock this year. So while they made some big strides, clearly adding staff and maybe even continuing to rejuvenate the training room, rejuvenate the, the training regiments, probably on the docket for this offseason. So just to be clear, was Ricard talking about the weight room regiments or the training room regiments? Because those are two very different things. The former. Okay, so so weight room. Okay. So in terms of training room, which is like attending to injuries or nicks and bruises and just overall recovery, is very different from the weight room, right? In the weight yes. room, you're getting stronger and all that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, this is where I said, I feel like there's the meat, there's meat on this, on this grade because when you just read through all the different things that matches up to what you would think a training grade, a training room grade would have. Like, do you have enough staff? Is the staff helping you? Are they helping you recover? Yada, yada, yada. This, this criteria matches up with this idea of what it, of, of like, if you're going to give it an overall grade, you would want these things included. And so it's like, all right, well, and I also think that this directly correlates to winning, right? Like the faster you recover, the better you feel all that kind of stuff that's going to relate to you. That's going to translate to you playing. So I could see the Ravens looking at this and being like, all right, well, let's, let's figure this out. Like, let's go get more trainers, you know, let's go get all that. So they feel like they have more one-on-one time and they're making, they're getting their bodies ready in a week's time. So I think that's the one that had the most meat on the bone. How about what Kyle Van Noy had to say? There is, there has been some pushback related to, um, (laughs) we got our quick triggers here. Let's see. Uh, where is Kyle? He's up. Was he up a little bit? Yeah. yeah Kyle's up go. a little bit. So, of course, we're going to hear from Kyle in just a bit because he sat in on on Good Morning Football on Wednesday morning and had had some things to say. But he quote tweeted some of the the NFLPA survey content and said the players were cooking in these for the Ravens grades. Since I was there, uh, I don't get how travel got a bad grade. Team travel was C minus, 21st league wide, as we told you a second ago. One of the best in the league as far as travel. Planes elite. Uh, that was the only head scratcher for me. Some were like that, uh, could be higher, but could understand some of the grades. The Chiefs players were cooking on their report card. <laughs> Sheesh. And Sarah, 31st league wide overall in these report cards were the Kansas City Chiefs. They're doing something right, clearly as back-to-back champions, but oh boy, and maybe this is exactly what you were getting off at the mm-hmm. top, right? This is exactly what you were getting at here. It doesn't necessarily correlate to winning. To winning. Now, what they did have, they had Fs and Ds everywhere, but they had an A in head coach, and obviously this is players grading the, the, the organization. They also have a generational quarterback. So you got the head coach, you got the quarterback, stuff like, which we're going to get into, travel which you know some of the criteria is like did you get to have your own room 
for all 17 games, you know, like that type of stuff is like more luxury, you know, versus like what actually correlates to winning. So yeah, chiefs are 31. So if I were the NFLPA, I would want to put together a report card that more reflects like what the team is doing to help you succeed on the field, which I think the training room stuff does, but so much of this other stuff doesn't. So here's partly why Kyle Van Noy has a head scratcher, right? Cause he's thinking it, this is exactly what I'm saying. It doesn't quite add up the criteria versus what you think the grid is giving you. So to you, you're like, how was my, how was my experience with the, with travel, man, it was great. We have a great, we have a great, uh, plane uh they take care of us they feed us well yada 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 like don't know don't know what that's all about and then you're like wait how do you go from fourth in the league to 21 in one season and then you start digging deeper and it says okay well last year 93 percent of the players felt like they had enough room to spread out okay by, by the way bobby i traveled on these planes <laughs> the a lot of these players are like in first class and then the rest yeah, of us are kind of exactly. in in the back but there it's phenomenal and by the way most people didn't even have somebody next to them like it was just like you would have like an, an empty uh seat next to you so to me it's clean like, living clean it's living clean living and so like again that's why i say look into these grades because it doesn't even necessarily it doesn't reflect much number two so last year why did they get an a well they never had to have roommates well remember they didn't have to travel far last year and they had a little bit more control. You go over to 2024 or 2023, and it says um, they were one of seven teams that required that some of their players have roommates the night before a game. Well, that's not necessarily like the Ravens deciding, oh, we're changing our policy. That That is a lot of times affected about the city you're going to, the hotel availability. They did go to London. They did a lot of West Coast travel. They had a travel on Christmas Day. And it's like, when I know when I've been in England before, like it's small, it's cramped, it's this and that. So like, does that play into it? Cause it's not like it's a policy change, right? From the Ravens. And so it's like, all right, well, maybe you'll go back to being an A if you are able to find a hotel that you have, they can accommodate everybody to have their own room. You yeah. know what I mean? And we're all in the same hotel. Right. So that's why to him, it's like a head scratcher because the criteria doesn't always add up. To like this overall grade of what you're thinking. So let me give you some other examples. So for head coach, John Harbaugh gets a B plus, which ends up ranking as 20th. So there's not a lot of, this is like one of those things where like you rank with like a, you're all in like the nines, but like somebody gets like a 9.9 and like Harbaugh might be like, I don't know what it is. Cause I didn't show what Harbaugh was, but say like, he's like a 9.1 or, or like an 8.9 and somebody else is nine, like, and so you drop really quickly in the rankings or whatever, but here's what it's based off of. Here, and I looked in several head coaching categories. They always named just these two criteria. 79% of players feel the head coach, John Harbaugh, is efficient with their time. Okay, so when other people are grading John Harbaugh, like outsiders, I guarantee they're grading him off of like the AFC championship game, right? <laughs> like what happened no in there? Not like the day-to-day -day of like, oh, that's what you mean by a good head coach. It's how efficient are you worth your time? And the second criteria that I saw all head coaches have was players feel that John Harbaugh is somewhat willing to listen to the locker room. And so other coaches that graded really high were guys that it, they would be like, they were willing or very willing to listen to, to players in the locker room. So are these important things for sure? Like if I'm a player, I want my coach to be efficient with my time. I don't want him to waste my time and I want him to listen to me. So they're important, but they're not all encompassing. It, it's not a reflection of them saying, like, 
yes, we think he's like a B plus overall head coach. So let's take the other side, ownership, right? Steve Bashotti's an A. Love that. He's fourth. Love that. But is it representative of what you think an overall grade for an owner would be? So here, and this is what I read in all of them, it's how much are they willing to spend money? So it says club owner Steve Bashotti receives a rating of 9.6 out of 10 from the Ravens players when considering his willingness to invest in the facilities, which is fourth overall. Again, how much an owner will invest in the team is important, but is it all encompassing? And, right. and that doesn't make it clear. So you're just thinking the way we read it when we see these grades or when fans read it, when they, when they see it, it's like, oh yeah, he's an A owner overall. And that's <laughs> not what this, that's not, and maybe he is, but that's not what they were asked. That is not what they were asked. So that's why some of these just doesn't add up. But like the training room, I did feel like it did because it was like much more meaty and, um, and the criteria is much more connected to the overall grade of that, of that part. So I just want to put that out there. It's funny the way these are presented. Like, yes. The context is there, but we're seeing these graphics tweeted. We're seeing these rankings tweeted and the context you have to go dig for. So right. if you're looking at it in passing on social media, you're going to jump to these conclusions. Right. Whereas hopefully as many people as possible are watching this episode because yeah, if you are running around and you don't have the time to dig in, you will jump to those conclusions, but you just got to dig a little bit deeper and know that it's isn't just there aren't these blanket statements being made in right. the corresponding letter grades. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Correct. And then just one last uh, last thing to kind of point out, and we kind of mentioned this, it doesn't necessarily relate to winning because as we said, Chiefs are number 31 on the list and they're this era's dynasty. Look who's dead last. Oh, commanders, <laughs> like that feels appropriate, right? But oh, here's man. what's funny. You go to the top 10, in the top 10 of these grades, one team has won the Super Bowl in the last decade. So it's like Dolphins are number one, like, you know, solid organization, but would you like you think Chiefs are number one, right? Vikings number two, Packers number three, Eagles, they've won a Super Bowl, Jaguars, 
than the 49ers. Texans, would anybody think, ooh, I'm putting Texans as a top 10 organization? Not before this year. No, no. I mean, how much like have, has their owner been scrutinized? Raiders? Raiders, I have a feeling part of that is because they just moved to Las Vegas and they have brand new facilities. They got sick facilities. I mean, my goodness. Like when we were in Vegas, we drove by that uh, stadium. It was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. But is that really reflective that they're like the ninth best run, well-run organization? Bears number 10. So anyway, that's my point. If I'm the NFLPA, if I want more legitimacy with this, I would want to do grades that are more connected to – impact on winning rather than maybe like luxuries or amenities that these teams are providing. And, the, and, right. and, and some of the substances in there, again, the training room, but, uh, but it's heavily weighted by how luxurious things are. I would. And say. I, you get the sense that like, since they're adding categories this year and they're getting dive into it more and they're only two years yeah. in that maybe, maybe that those layers can come yeah. you know, for the third and fourth and so on and so forth years. Anyway, good stuff there. Again, not as, uh, not as, volatile as it was a year ago uh, in that category for the Ravens, which is good news, like you said there at the top. Kyle Van Noy joined the Good Morning Football crew on Wednesday and had a couple different things to say, one of which was about Lamar Jackson. He had a unique perspective on him. We know that he took every chance he got throughout in-season, whether it was on the McAfee show, on social media, or whatever, to hype him up, to gas him up, to, to support him and whatnot. But here's what he had to say that was a little bit new uh, on GMFB. Yeah, I think this year from talking around to guys within the team, he really matured in that leadership using his voice. Usually it's been lead by example, just do everything right, be professional. This year was, he was getting after guys. He was saying, block a little bit better or catch the ball or run the right route or that's on me, you know, standing up for his guys and really battling them and using his voice in the locker room. I mean, I go back to that Texans game, the divisional game and coming in at halftime. It wasn't some crazy masterful speech he had. It was literally just holding guys accountable telling them, hey, we need this to do this and win and holding himself accountable. And that's what I love about him. He is all about the team. He is not about his individual stat. It's fine. He's the MVP, but he's really all about winning. And that's what I love about Lamar. He is a really about that action. Finally, we get some context on what was sort of, um, you know, what went into that halftime speech against the Texans. It was kind of coined as, or maybe even, described as this big massive you know monologue that had different layers to it when really like he said it was just holding guys accountable Ronnie Stanley I'm sure was in that group you know the way that they were playing offensively in that first half I mean nobody really nobody was absolved of that so uh interesting piece of the puzzle there and and KVN man I don't know where he's gonna end up may not be in Baltimore if it is it's gonna be late in the game probably like like it was last year uh, but he certainly proved uh, to him, I don't not to himself, but to those around the league that he deserves another shot to have a, a swan song here in the NFL for sure. Uh, yeah, I liked I liked that he was like Lamar's all about winning. That's the only thing I've ever picked up on. I mean, not the only thing. That's the biggest thing I've picked up on Lamar in like going into year seven, right? It's just like it's all about winning the Super Bowl and everything comes from that. And I do like to hear that he speaks up a little bit more. To me, it's like terrible if you're all talk and can't back it up with your example. Um, but I also feel like if you're only example, sometimes you can be more impactful if you like pick and choose when to speak up. 
So if he's holding people accountable, I do like that. I think some of the best leaders have a mix of both. They know when to speak up and when not to. And so um, if his actions are all like, it's all about the team, the team, the team, win, 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 then it's hard for anybody else to be selfish. And I'm guessing that Lamar's a big reason why I feel like we've had an unselfish team for so many years since he's been here. And because uh, when he's unselfish and just wants to win, then, you know, and that's Lamar Jackson, then everybody has to follow suit. So I definitely like that. And then what's the second quote from KVN? Yeah, I'm getting a little vulnerable about the AFC title loss, which I thought was also just revealing not only from, from his perspective, but others as well. Yeah, this one was hard. Like, I really took it to heart because I don't have many years left in yeah. me. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what my future holds. So this one really didn't settle within me very well. I sat at my house for a week after this game. I didn't leave. That's how hard I took it. Um, everybody handles this situation different when they lose. I took it very just personal, hit and punch to the gut. Mm -hmm. But as I look at and what transpired from this is I think the core group of guys, this is going to motivate them. The Tyler Linderbaum, the uh, Kyle Hamilton, Roquan Smith, and Lamar Jackson. I mean, it comes down to how is he going to bounce back from that game, and I really believe in this dude. I experienced an awesome flight with him coming back from London, and I really, we had a conversation. It was me, Roquan Smith, and a couple other guys where we just bonded on that flight. Really getting to know them on this long flight back after a win against the Titans, and just talking shop and getting a better understanding of both of those guys. And that organization and the, that fan base should be happy as ever because these two dudes are exactly who you want running the ship. These guys are cut from the same cloth. They want to win, and I believe they're going to respond the right way. Tell you what, Sarah, that, that London trip, not that Kyle wasn't bought in prior, but I can remember him going on the McAfee show that week after mm -hmm. London. And, and he had, remember, he had just recently joined the team prior to that trip. And I feel like if he wasn't bought in prior to London, oh man, after that and after that plane ride, he was all the way in on, on what he was observing as a championship pedigree player who's won with the New England Patriots, who's been around this league, who's, who's kept himself healthy enough and available enough to be that kind of guy now on the other side of 30. And it just seemed like that's when something not only switched and clicked for him, uh, but that, you know, the entire organization from that point on, it just went into 2019 mode. You know, it really did yeah. following that. Yeah. And I did. It's like, dang, you didn't leave the house for a week. That's, that's well, that part too. Yeah. <laughs> he's hurt. He's hurt. Yeah. But of course, like the thing that I most take away from that is like, he's talking about like Ravens are going to be okay because of the core of these guys. And I'm 1000% yeah. agree. 1000% yeah. agree. Like when you have Roquan and you have Lamar and these are like, these are not guys that like, change their mood with like you know a change in direction of the wind they these guys are their feet are solidly planted on the ground and also at the same time have major major goals yeah and it's like it's a great combination of that where it's just like they're so grounded they know who they are they know they don't feed too much into this or that or what people are saying and I just, and I love, and, and Kyle's mature, he's been around. So he, he knows it when he sees it. And so when he has this long plane ride and he's like, 
you're going to be all right with the core of these guys. I feel the same way. And it's not just because of their talent. It, you know, like you have Roquan and Lamar leading the offense and defense for the next now four years, right? Both of them under contract. That's huge. And it's going to come up to Eric DaCosta to fill in like some gaps through the draft. And it's going to be on yep. the coaching staff, John Harbaugh and Todd Munkin to use everybody right. And then now Zach Orr on the defensive side. But, but, the thing that like makes me most hopeful is the leadership of those two on both sides of the ball. Cornerstone pieces, but like you said, there are some gaps to uh, to fill, mm -hmm. and perhaps they do that via the draft. They'll definitely do that via the draft. And speaking of that, Mel Kuyper, Baltimore's own, somebody who has definitely had a feel for what the Ravens do strategy-wise over the years, the guy that literally is the creator of the mock draft, put together his 2.0 version for ESPN, and he has the Ravens at 30th overall in the opening round coming up in April, selecting Georgia cornerback Kamari Lassiter. And here's what he had to say attached. I'd like to see the Ravens make moves on defense this offseason, and they likely will have to use their cap space to keep some of their own players, including safety Geno Stone, defensive tackle Justin Matabike. Those moves should start at corner. So how about one more in this top 32? Lassiter makes six in his 2.0. That's six cornerbacks coming off in the first 32. Are you kidding me? Lassiter didn't get beat off in last season. He didn't allow a single touchdown as the nearest defender in coverage. And in total, he allowed nine receptions for 91 yards. Those are elite numbers. The problem, he had one career interception that came in 2021. Teams will have questions about his lack of on-ball production. I'm a believer that production from corners can be developed and I'm not worried. I'm interested in seeing Lassiter's 40-yard dash time in Indianapolis, though, which will be coming up later this week at the Combine. So one thing we've learned in some of our early prep that you and I have been doing off the air, getting ready for the Combine, getting ready for free agency, and, and most notably the draft, is that it's a deep draft class at the big body wide receiver position and at offensive tackle. So perhaps Mel could be onto something here they are thin at cornerback. There are some questions there for for the future, and perhaps they try to retool at that position right out of the gate. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I feel like because Eric Tacosta did such a good job of last minute fill in signings at both cornerback and outside linebacker between Darby and Mallette and Kyle Vanoy and Clowney that it those are like under talked about underrated needs for the Ravens. So I wouldn't hate it if they have, if they got a corner, that being said, I personally want to go offensive tackle. Yeah. And, um, and so I remember you talked about how you listened to Daniel Jeremiah's conference call last week. And you were talking about how he was saying how they were just, it was so deep at offensive tackle. And I was like, yeah. I need to know, are you telling me I can get a plug and play off <laughs> in the second round? And you're like, ah, I don't know. I don't want to go that far. Well, Daniel Jeremiah had an interview with Garrett Downing from the team, and he basically answered that question. It's like, wait, if there's so many great offensive tackles, how late can you wait to get a plug-and-play player? And yeah. this is what Daniel had to say. Well, I think there's a lot of them, but it, they're going to go. I mean, it's such a premium position. So if, if I have you know eight guys that I have in that first-round range – 
I think there's a chance we see all eight of them go in the first round. And then after that, I think there was some intriguing guys, but I think it starts to kind of fall off uh, pretty significantly after that first clump of guys. Um, and then when you look, you know, kind of on the interior, you've got a handful of those guys, and I think there's a gap before you get to the next wave. So offensive line-wise, I feel like we're going to jam them all in to one and probably take a little bit of a pause, and then you'll see another run start going a little later. So I got to okay. run, Bobby. So I'm going to let you finish this up. Let me just give this last thought. Sorry to interrupt you. Um, just cause you got to run. Um, yeah. My feeling is, is that in the past to get an elite top offensive tackle, you have to be early in the draft or spend big money yeah. in free agency, which the Ravens don't typically do. It is rare to be at number 30 and be able to get a plug and play starter at offensive tackle. Yeah. So to me, We'll see how the board falls, and you got to take the best player available. But to me, my best case scenario would be that one of these elite guys, whether it's Mims or somebody else that he's projected, I mean, to get an a, a, a to get a starting tackle at number thirty, I would love that. Plus, it's like, that. and I'll let you go after this. Plus, it's like, even if you did want to do that in free agency, does anybody truly move the needle in this year's class? You know, right. why wouldn't you just retool and, you, and you're working with somebody on a rookie deal for the next several years? Yeah. As opposed to going to spend that money for, you know, a short-term deal or whatever. So anyway, I'll let yeah. you go do your thing. Appreciate, Appreciate you. you. Yep. As always, let's get to some quick hits here before we finish up. And a lot of them are combine and free agency related. The Buccaneers are releasing two-time Pro Bowl outside linebacker Shaq or Shaquille Barrett. He had a 15 and change million dollar option bonus due next month. So instead of collecting it, he now will become a free agent. So we're just trying to keep you up to date as much as possible on some of the positional needs that the Ravens have um, that are out there when it comes to free agency. Uh, Missouri defensive lineman Darius Robinson plans on meeting with the Ravens or planned on meeting with the Ravens on Wednesday. And as Jeff Zarebic noted, Alabama linebacker Chris Braswell, who's a Baltimore native, was quoted uh, for saying this, I see myself as a defensive end and edge but I can play anything. He grew up a Ravens fan and says that their style of defensive play fits me. So again, let's just be on the lookout for how the Ravens might try to address this draft defensively speaking. Some other notes. Colts general manager Chris Ballard says that wide receiver Michael Pittman will remain with the team in 2024. Discussions for a long-term deal are ongoing. They have the franchise tag as an option if there's no deal before March 5th. And when Sarah and I did our exercise on wide receivers and on free agent wide receivers in the dream scenario, I think that's what it was titled when we were looking at Mike Evans. Michael's Michael Pittman's name came up in conversation because of how he fits that mold and uh, how, how well he would fit in Baltimore. But he ain't leaving Indianapolis. No surprise there. And then the Chiefs have released wide receiver or will release Wide receiver Marquez Valdez-Scantling. That saves Kansas City $12 million on the cap. And that report comes from ESPN's Jeremy Fowler. Marquez had a big catch, obviously, and a big performance in the Super Bowl, but he is a cap casualty. We'll see who the Ravens end up fitting in that category from a cap casualty standpoint, especially if they go and spend that significant money on Justin Matabike's franchise tag so we appreciate you guys as always for dropping by this episode shout out to a couple of our og patrons 
Joe Bonzel and Jason Barrett are supporting us through Patreon this month. We really appreciate you both. And if you guys are interested in doing the same out there, visit patreon.com forward slash Ravens Vault, po- uh, excuse me, Ravens Vault podcast. That link is in the show notes below to learn more about what we're offering here inside the channel through Patreon this month. So as always, if you haven't already done so, please like this video if you enjoyed this specific piece of content and go subscribe to The Vault here on YouTube and across all of our audio-only platforms. We will be back later this week with yet another Morning Vault, of course, for you on Friday. Enjoy leap year. I guess we have a a leap year this year, 29 days in February. So enjoy it, and we will talk to you next on Friday morning.